Welcome to another episode of Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and sometimes I get riled up, mostly I curse, and maybe I'll even shed a tear. No, that doesn't really happen. I'm a crap vocalist, but I really like to talk about music. On this podcast, we typically compare two albums from one artist against each other. We'll discuss, we'll argue, we'll debate the merits, and in the end, only one album will reign supreme. But tonight, we're going to do things a little bit different. That's right, Jake. So here at Metal Rock and Whiskey, we keep a list of bands that we want to discuss in future shows. Matt and I both included Slayer pretty early on, and we found out that Jake and Ed either don't like Slayer or were never really into them and don't know much about them. So we decided that Matt and I will try to convince Ed and Jake why Slayer is so freaking awesome. Yes. So this will be a two-part show so that we can give Jake and Ed time to listen to our custom-created layer playlist which you can find on our instagram and facebook group and then we'll come back next week and they will tell us if we succeeded or not well this sounds like a lot of fun but i have a feeling we're gonna need to have some drinks ed what are you drinking so far oh i have me let me take a look here it's a bottle of larceny which is i believe is a uh a heaven hill product i am a big fan of of heaven hills what they put out there it's a 92 proof um weeded bourbon which is actually very very nice very nice about you matt what you sipping on right now i am going full-blown irish tonight uh i am drinking clontarf blended <laughs> irish whiskey do the smurfs make that <laughs> <laughs> i almost spit on my drink <laughs> Uh, it is uh, about $20 a bottle retail, uh, very good value for what it offers. Uh, I find a lot of the Irish whiskeys at that price point, very neutral tasting. There's not a lot going on. This one exclusively aged in bourbon barrels, uh, has some, has some corn as well. So it just gives it some depth of flavor, a little bit more fuller bodied and I am digging it. What about you, Miss Sailor? I'm drinking some Eagle Rare. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I haven't had a bottle of this beautiful stuff in so long. I just can't get into that Eagle Rare. What? Oh, I mm. love it. I mean, I don't, I really, it is not my jam. I'm I don't dig on the standard offering, but I've had some pretty good barrel picks of it. I All right. Love Eagle Rare. We are already disagreeing. <laughs> so I'm with Sailor on this Thank one. you. Yeah. See? Yeah. No, I said I, I like Eagle Rare. Store picks. Well, it's, I mean, yeah. if you find some cherry barrels, they're obviously going to be better than the standard yeah. small batch. Well, I, I, I should caveat that by saying, you know, it's not to my taste, but my taste doesn't run charcoal toothpaste. You know, <laughs> just saying. Jeez. <laughs> Them is fighting words. Wow. Charcoal toothpaste? Excuse me. This has got so much. I mean, I like smoking wood. I love smoking wood in my bourbon very much. But it has, I don't get the toothpaste at all. I mean, it's a little astringent, but you expect that from, I don't know. I think it's beautiful. I think there's plenty of dried fruit and stone fruit and caramel in here and tons of vanilla. You get lots of citrus. I love the citrus on the top notes. Perhaps Mm -hmm. that's how your palate's picking up toothpaste, but um, just try (laughs) try a bottle again. It's worth it. Try not brushing your teeth. I've still got a mostly full (laughs) bottle here I I can go back to any time, so maybe (laughs) I'll do that. Go back to it. So call me me superstitious or what have you, but uh, I decided to drink some of the good Reverend Elijah Craig before we start this uh, conversation, (laughs) just to protect me i guess that's Stand awesome protection this is my uh my garlic to the vampire here very good jake very good well that's good so before we start this brainwashing we need to go over to sailor at the news desk yes hello rock and metal fans Unfortunately, our first point of news is a little sad. Uh, We lost two very talented and beloved musicians, so let's pour one out for legendary Motorhead guitarist Fast Eddie Clark, who died at 67, and for Dolores O'Riordan, I always get her last name wrong, of the Cranberries, who died very suddenly at only 46 years old. May they both rock in peace. So cheers to them. Cheers. Cheers. 
On to other news. Once again, Kiss is in the news for being douchebags. <laughs> Video has surfaced from an interview with the band in 2012 of them demanding that the interviewer take off his Iron Maiden t-shirt while he interviews Kiss. On video, Gene Simmons urges a member of the band's crew to find a Kiss t-shirt before saying, that's not going to happen. I don't want him wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. How about if you did an Iron Maiden interview and a Kiss t-shirt? Is that okay? You don't understand. Gene Simmons then demands that Gustavo, the man interviewing him, turns his t-shirt backwards, telling him, and I quote, we took that band out on their first tour ever, and ACDC and everybody else. You look so much better with it back to front. Can you be any more of a dickhead, Gene Simmons? Fuck Jeez. you. <sighs> and last, your weird news for the week. Some dude at a Royal Blood concert apparently stole 53 cell phones and hid them in a swimsuit that he was wearing at the concert. He was later caught by police and has been sentenced to jail for three years. What I want to know is here, what the hell kind of swimsuit was that? And you could yeah, that's what I was thinking. phones in it. 50 oh, it's clearly... like the kind that they wore back in like the 1920s yeah. or something like that. With, you know, like the, the, like, full the body. undershirt yeah. top, the full body thing. <laughs> and the cap. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's your rock <laughs> news for the week. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Well, going let's here's here's a smooth transition. Let's talk about some whiskey, Matt. All right, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jake. Um, as I searched my collection uh, for a pairing for this episode, I received a text message from a close friend with a picture of a bottle of whiskey he had received as a gift recently, asking me if I had ever tasted it and if I had if I had tasted it if it was any good. Uh, upon looking at the picture, and without any doubt in my mind, I knew I had found the perfect whiskey for this particular segment. The name, the color, the label, it just screamed Slayer to me. So for this whiskey segment from New Liberty Distilling in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I give you Bloody Butcher Bourbon. Yes, I knew oh, okay. <laughs> that's what you were going to do. I, I thought it was going to be called Satan's Urine. Perfect. <laughs> <Satan's> urine. <laughs> I was totally gonna text you, man, and ask you if that was it. But I was like, no, 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 no I won't be surprised. Oh my mm. god! Now the bloody bro butcher—that's a, t- a variety of corn. Am I correct? That is correct. Um, and like Ed just said, the particular bourbon gets its name from the sparsely used bloody butcher heirloom corn, a corn distinct for its blood red and magenta kernels which makes up about 70% of this bourbon's mash bill. Uh, while the Bloody Butcher corn is not very well suited for large-scale farming, more expensive to grow, harvest, and distill, it is starting to gain some traction with a lot of craft distillers from coast to coast. Uh, the origins of the corn date back to the late 17 and early 1800s, when Native Americans mixed their corn with seeds brought over by English settlers. Uh, I will tell you when pouring this in the glass, I absolutely love the appearance. Uh, it's not quite red, not quite blood red, but almost sort of an iron oxide burnt sienna tint. Uh, the nose, an absolutely explosive butter bomb, very much reminds me of like the first whiff of movie theater popcorn when you walk in the door. Just absolutely sensational. <clears throat> very young at nine months, it drinks quite more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, it drinks quite more complex though, and uh, 28% malted rye, uh, helping to keep that buttery goodness in check with a bit of dry leather and biting spice on the finish. Uh, as I mentioned, everything about the presentation of this bottle and the name just evokes Slayer to me. Just as the Bloody Butcher corn itself was born from two similar but different seeds melding into one, so too was the band Slayer born from two similar but different forces coming together. That would be hardcore punk rock and thrash metal. And as we may learn, the band may not be suited for the large-scale audience, just as the Bloody Butcher is not well-suited for the large scale. I have no doubt, though, in time, that the use of Bloody Butcher corn and bourbon will sway the everyday bourbon drinker, just as we hope to sway two everyday metal fans toward the dark side, known as Slayer. Yeah! That is, actually, cool. that, that is this week's whiskey segment. Good job, well man. played, sir. Thanks. Golf clap. I think that's kind of a a, a new uh, 
a new trend. Like you said, Matt, I think, I think it's a new trend we're going to see where is, is it, uh, like Jephthahcrete or someone else that uses like blue well and they use a certain kind of corn and I know uh Balcones uses mm. like a blue corn. Balcones and... uses the blue corn. Widow yeah. Jane makes Widow Jane makes a bloody butcher as well. Yeah. And not not gonna lie to you, this is the first I had ever heard of this corn when he sent me that picture and I did some research on it. And very interesting. Very, very interesting. It's definitely worth a try for you guys. For sure. Well, now that we learned something, let's see if we can answer some questions correctly with some trivia. All right. Well, obviously, this was a little bit of a challenge for me since (laughs) I've never listened to Slayer. So I went around looking for for facts about Slayer. I have no idea if these questions are going to be easy or hard, but we'll let the chips fall where they may. This is for Matt and Sailor going head to head. May the best Slayer fan All right. win. That's right. <laughs> All right. First question up. Of the following songs, which won the Best Metal Performance Grammy Award? Eyes of the Insane, Raining Blood, Bloodline, or War Ensemble? Ding, ding, ding. Ding. Matt? Eyes of the Insane. You are correct, sir. Point for Matt. Slayer has a great song titled Chemical Warfare. Obviously, I didn't write this question. (laughs) Released on their 1984 EP, Haunting the Chapel. Which punk rock band also had a song titled Chemical Warfare? Ding, 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 ding. (sighs) Sailor. Was it Anthrax? No, it was not Anthrax. Hmm. You know Matt? You said punk rock band. Yes. No, but what? Old school punk rock. I will have to pass on this one. Okay, that would be the butthole surfer. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was never into that. (laughs) All right. Next question What was Slayer's first gold album? Indicating 500,000 units in sales. Rain and blood. You got it. Mm. One for sale. Two to one. All right. When Dave Lombardo first left the band in 1986, who was he replaced by? Ding, ding, ding. Matt? Uh, was it... <laughs> uh, fuck. Bo Staff? I got some. I got multiple choice for this one. Oh, I'll, I'll read them off. <laughs> oh come on! Charlie Benante, yeah. Tony Scaglioni, Paul Murkovitz, oh. or Kirk Aronson. Oh, Scaglioni. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. Matt, you got that one. Paisan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Matt's up speaking, one. Speaking of the guy, two to one. Never mind. All right. <laughs> Which serial killer was the song Dead Skin Mask written about? I don't know this. Jeffrey Dahmer? I bet I could answer this one and I have I have no idea just based on like serial killer knowledge. Go ahead. <laughs> Did I just um, get the answer right? Ed <laughs> uh, uh, Gain? Gain? You're on the right Gain? track, Ed Gain? Gain? Yes. Yeah. You got it. Oh. Actually, what a point for Jake. He did <laughs> I can't remember what the first one was. Jake is on the board. (laughs) (laughs) With which rapper did Slayer perform the song Disorder? I don't fucking know. Eminem? I don't fucking know. No. He's he's very cool. Oh, LL Cool J? No. Cool Mode. Not that obvious. Cool Mode. Chili. Oh God! Huh? Like a tall glass of iced tea. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Well, Sailor and I are both guessing people that actually have cool in their name. Yeah. Cool I'm like name. I'm like Coolio, Ice Cube. I'm Coolio. <laughs> Which member of Slayer helped out the band Megadeth during a 1983 tour due to the band's personnel problems? Was it, was it like Sailor? That? Nope. Oh, fuck. Bosa? Nope. Carrie King. Ding, ding, ding. I actually knew that one. Oh, shit. I knew <laughs> God. 
I totally know that. I did a whole thing. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll see you tonight. All right. All right. Yeah. Slayer, you got... Or, uh, <laughs> Sailor. It's ingrained in his brain. Is it, is it 2 2 one? You gotta pull yourself out two, here. Two to one, dude. I have like four. Matt, Matt does have four. <laughs> dude, it's four, it's four to one to one. Which Slayer album was a collection of punk rock cover songs? I always forget this one. I didn't even work on these like off fucking things. Oh yeah, I know this. I know, I know. It, is that undisputed attitude? You got uh, it. Oh. oh. Matt seals the deal. Now, just for fun. Which member of Slayer has a morbid obsession with serial killers? Oh, it was, um, was it Hanneman? Nope. Uh, Tom, Tom Araya. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Tom Araya. And Matt has proven that he is the real Slayer fan <laughs> of the two of you. Apparently I'm the fake Slayer fan. You really slayed there, Matt. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, thank you, thank you. Burp, burp. <laughs> All right. Okay, Sailor. Ed. What are we doing today? Ed, you ready to get learned? You ready to get I learned? I'm ready. I think I think Sailor's about to teach us a little something. Kick it off. Well, after that trivia, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, we should have, maybe we should have done a little bit of knowledge and then the and then the uh, the trivia. All right. So I'm put together a little timeline like I often do on the show when we have legendary bands that have really long span careers just to give you some background and kind of set them up in history so I'm going to go through for this show um, I've kind of divided up their timeline a little bit so we're going to start in the beginning so Slayer is considered one of the big four thrash metal bands along with Metallica, Megadeth and Anthrax that's too much shit to discuss so we'll just leave that there for another time they originally hail from Huntington Beach, California. The band was formed in 1981 by guitarist Kerry King and Jeff Henneman, Dave Lombardo on drums, and Tom Morea as bassist and vocalist. The group started off playing covers of Iron Maiden Judas Priest. The satanic themes were very present uh, early uh, in the early days of the band. In 1983, the band was discovered by Brian Slagle. You may know him as the music journalist that founded Metal Blade Records. After seeing them live, Brian asked Slayer to record an original song for his upcoming Metal Massacre Part 3 compilation album, which I used to own. Their song Aggressive Perfector was included in this compilation, and shortly after, they were signed to Metal Blade. Right away in 1983, the band self-financed their first album, despite being signed to Metal Blade. And there wasn't a lot of explanation. I couldn't find a lot of info why they had to self-finance, but they did. It was rushed to release just after recording and created a nice following in the underground scene for the band. Here's one of my favorite parts of their history. So in 1984, Kerry King joined Megadeth. His intention was to also stay in Slayer and really use Megadeth as a money machine. For a minute, the rest of the guys in Slayer got nervous and thought King was leaving the band. Dave Mustaine asked King to stay on permanently, but after just five shows, King had had enough of Dave's shit and left the band stating that it was taking up too much of his time. This caused an epic years-long feud between the two bands. Who hasn't feuded with fucking Megadeth? Shortly after that, Slayer released a three-song EP, which was darker and more thrash than Show No Mercy. This EP included the song Chemical Warfare, which is an absolute Slayer staple and has been played at almost every single show ever since that EP came out. In 1985, Slayer began their first big national tour with Venom and Exodus. By the end of that tour, the band was doing really well with sales, and so back into the studio they went to record their second full-length album, Hell Awaits. This record was very well received by uh, critics and Slayer fans alike. Following the success of Hell Awaits, the band got their big break. They were offered a recording contract with Def Jam Records, which completely changed the band um, in their styles and in the way they wrote music and the way they recorded. They were given an experienced producer, a proper budget, and proper time to write and record. This completely redefined them. On the um, album Rain and Blood, you hear shorter, faster songs with, of course, much better quality of recording. Many say this album is very punk rock influenced. And this is where the controversy with the band begins. One of the many controversies. Def Jam's distributor refuses to distribute the album because of the song Angel of Death, which is about the Holocaust. 
So eventually Geffen Records distributed the album, but did not include it in their catalog's release schedule. The album had almost no radio play. It was their first album to enter the Billboard 200, debuting at 94, and their first album actually to go gold. The band had received uh, five Grammy, Grammy nominations, winning one, and four of the band's albums have gone gold since that time. In late 1987, Slayer returned to the studio to record their fourth studio album. The band at this point felt they couldn't top Rain and Blood, so they decided to slow down the tempos and bring more melodic singing into the mix. This was pressure, they say, from their producers. This would be the only time that the band would attempt this, thank God. The album, South of Heaven, was released in 1988 to mixed reviews. Although it's the band's most commercially successful album of that time, the press absolutely hated it. And even Kerry King said it was his most lackluster studio performance ever. Wah, wah, wah. So in 1990, the band re returned to the studio to record their fifth album, uh, returning to the, quote, pounding speed of Rain and Blood. Seasons of the Abyss was then released in October of 1990. Then in 1992, Lombardo left the band due to conflicts with members. Paul Bostaff of Forbidden was brought in to replace Lombardo, and this new lineup debuted at the Monsters of Rock that same year. This was not the first or the last time that Lombardo would leave Slayer and return. So that's our timeline to set up the discussion. Uh, before we get to the discussion, Matt and I came up with an idea how to introduce you guys to Slayer. Matt, you want to explain? Yes. Uh... Sailor and I got together and we went through basically the majority of Slayer's catalog and agreed on a playlist slash mixtape uh, to put together for our two friends here uh, to introduce, not really introduce them, but to try and convince them that Slayer is one of the biggest metal bands, one of the best metal bands of all time. And I think we did a pretty good job with it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. I think Sailor would agree with me. Exactly. Um, yeah. on, I think we agreed on every song, right? We, we did, yes. Yes, it did not take a lot of time to get to put this together. Um, so if you guys are ready, I'll go over the list right now. All I know is when you say mixtape, all, right. all I hear is that robot voice from the VH1. I love the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's good we thought show. it was fitting to call it a mixtape. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. What are we studying? I've got my pencil in hand. I'm going to write this down. So there are a total of 15 songs. I'm out. Too long. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long mixtape. Hey. That's going to require like two sides. Yes. yes. Both sides, A and B. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, we will do this in chronological order. Um, the first song, which is from their 1984 EP, Haunting the Chapel, is the Chemical Warfare, the staple of their live set list. Yeah. Uh, the second song from the 1985 album of the same name is Hell Awaits. We decided to include the entire Rain and Blood album in this playlist. So all 10 songs, A to Z, Soup to Nuts, everything in between. Uh, so all 10 songs from Rain and Blood, 1986. From the 1988 album, South of Heaven, we have included the title track. South of Heaven. From the 1990 album, Seasons in the Abyss, we included the opening track, War Ensemble. <clears throat> and finally, from the same album, the title track, Seasons in the Abyss. Go have fun. Yeah. All righty. All right, well, I'll see, I'll see you. I'm going to go listen to that shit. <laughs> so you, after Welcome the show, hell. you guys will have a week to listen to that and come back and let us know what you think. Um, but before that, tell us what you guys know of Slayer, what your impression is. Have you heard any of Slayer's music? Why didn't anything like why you haven't gotten into it or what, you know, whatever your impression is of this band. Go ahead, Ed. Most of my memories of hearing about Slayer, I suppose, centered around, or obviously they were big back in the 80s. So I remember, you know, a lot of the. The, the OG metalheads back in my uh, high school um, were very, you know, I saw the t-shirts, the uh, 
the, I know the Pentagram logo is very recognizable when it comes to this band, and also the the blood and the uh, ram's heads, whatever, what have you, all the uh, satanic accoutrement. <laughs> Good word. So, yeah, um, I'm assuming they're very hard and and heavy and probably fast. I would I would guess too. So I'm scared. No, yeah, this will be interesting to see. Because uh, yeah, as obviously you know, I've I've never really gone on out of my way to seek out the music just because the whole that whole uh, style never appealed to me. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll give it a shot for the first shit. <laughs> so for me, uh, not too like down with Satan. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, aside, aside from the fact that, uh, that, that, that would have never been allowed in my household growing up. It was more of a, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I knew of Slayer, I had, I had heard Slayer, but uh, in my junior high years was probably when I first heard it, so in the earlier mid-90s, and it was more or less like, I don't know, it seemed gimmicky, uh, it seemed the kids that were listening to it were like, just trying to just find anything they could do to rebel, and I don't know. That just never really appealed to me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I know they were popular, just never. You know, I think I probably heard a song or two and just it, it just kind of never just didn't click, didn't click didn't really catch my ear. And so I didn't pursue it. And again, uh, you know, I, I all of the T-shirts that I saw had pentagrams. And I mean, the name is Slayer. So it's not like it's even uh ambiguous of an album that you could bring home and uh, have your ultra conservative parents not shattered into pieces in front of your face. So, so yeah. Oh God. All right. Interesting. Well, Matt, why don't you and I talk about why we like Slayer and like what our introduction to Slayer was and you know, what, what's appealing for us. Absolutely. Um, I will say that I first started on Slayer. I went through a period of time where I was considering actually taking up music and I was really into drums and I was really, I was watching videos. I was studying different drummers and how they perform and just different techniques they use reading up on things, just trying to get as much knowledge in my head as possible. And being a Metallica fan and appreciating your arch nemesis for his showmanship and not so much his skills um, led me to a video of Dave Lombardo actually filling in for Lars during a show in Europe playing a couple Metallica songs and I'm like oh this is the guy from Slayer let me see how he performs these songs and he did not just an amicable a, a, a decent job he kind of excelled in certain areas more than the gentleman who wrote the songs and performed the songs. So I start go- I start getting into that little YouTube spiral of watching videos of Dave Lombardo playing, and I became obsessed with the way this guy plays drums. And the guy is just an absolute fucking machine behind the drum kit. And that leads me to listening to Slayer's music a little bit. At the time, I believe that was right around the time that they were doing the big four shows with Metallica. So they were getting a little bit more publicity at the time. And, you know, for me, particularly Rain and Blood, listening to that album, for me, that album, I call that the Missing Link album, between hardcore punk of the late 70s and your thrash metal of the 80s. It is that missing link. It kind of brings the two fan bases together. I like that a lot. And even, you know, Kerry King said, you know, he hates punk rock. Jeff Hanneman loved punk rock. He hates punk rock. And he just wanted to basically play hardcore punk and just play it as fast as they possibly could. Uh, and that's what they did on that album. Because it's, I think to me, it's as much of a hardcore punk album as it is a thrash metal album. Uh, 
And although it was released the same year as Master, if you were comparing it to Metallica, released the same year as Master of Puppets, whereas James was very subversive with his lyrics, I kind of like how upfront and the subject matter that's tackled, although, you know, obviously I don't agree with any of the stuff that they talk about, but I mean, the fact that they were tackling it in such a in-your-face way uh, was kind of almost refreshing. It was just a bunch of subject matters that no one wanted to even touch. People were scared to talk about it, and they liked scaring people, especially the Hollywood elite, <laughs> as they called it. Uh, and I think they did a pretty damn good job, and I think just for their honesty and the talent in what I call the backbone of the band being the drummer and the bassist too, uh, which I think is really the backbone of any band, um, that is where... I really fell in love with them. I think what what you kind of just said, Matt, is is probably why I never connected to this point because i I don't tend to draw. I don't tend to be drawn to heavy thrash beats and and uh, similar to what you said about Metallica. I like uh, lyrics of innuendo. I like to maybe have some things left unsaid and left to be interpreted in your own way rather than just somebody uh, speaking at you, if that makes sense. No, it it, it does absolutely make sense, and I completely understand what you're saying. But it was almost, I felt like every band I was listening to at the time was using that, and I like the, the lyrics that are open for interpretation. But it was almost it was almost refreshing to just have this guy barking at me about these subject matters. It was just a change of pace. Yeah. And it's just their point of view. It's just the way, exactly. Yeah. It's the way they saw things and they just wanted to challenge a lot of, well, pretty much every institution. And that's all they were doing was leaving you to question. And if you stay rooted in your beliefs, well then they're truly your beliefs. And if not, if you're, you know, if your viewpoint or faith or whatever it is, is shaken, then maybe, you know, you need to look into that. I appreciate that as well and think that's really important. And that's what art is supposed to do, actually. Art is supposed to make us question everything around us and show us a different viewpoint. Well, it's, me- what some, it's what some art, I guess, is supposed to do. Or sometimes art can just be nice and beautiful. And do that. it can uh, just make you feel something normal as opposed to question uh, the things around you. Okay, but heavy metal, thrash music is probably going to make you question things around you. I don't think they're going to be singing about flowers and puppies. So it kind of goes with the territory. Or it just makes you want to kind of smash stuff. I think that the chaos and dysfunction of the real world and the diversity is is beautiful. And it doesn't always need to make you question what's around you. It can make you appreciate what's around you. I think metal music a lot of times makes me appreciate by listening to the beliefs of others that I don't necessarily agree with, it makes me appreciate that we can live in a world where everybody can have their own views. I think that's exactly what was being stated by Slayer. <laughs> that's their nope. whole entire message. That's what's so great about their message. That's literally what they're saying. So you mm. are in total agreement with them, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, just, for- I don't think they were trying to you know, push a belief system on anybody. I just think that they were... Like I think you mentioned, Sailor, they were trying to just talk about what was taboo and kind of what they were interested in reading about and studying and stuff like that. So what got you into them, Sailor? So for me, um, I came into Slayer with Rain and Blood. Um, That was my uh, gateway album. It was given to me by... um, uh, It's strange that in my early days of music, I picked up... All of my music from the dudes around me, there were not many chicks that I knew at the time in the late 80s listening to Slayer that, that I found. So there, there was this one kid, and man, I wish I could remember his name. I was in high school. He turned me on to so much amazing music. He, he was phenomenal. And we used to share rides together, and we'd trade tapes. And he's like, oh, yeah, I gave him something. I think I gave him Exodus. And I was like super psyched that he hadn't heard Exodus yet. So he's like, okay, you got to listen to this band. They're called Slayer. And I looked at the album cover. I'm like, whoa, that's sick, man. Looks, it looks so evil. Oh, cool. So I took it home and I had to hide it from my mom. She would have 
murdered me if she had found it. It would have been burnt in two seconds. So um, I actually used to have fake tape covers of uh, like Cindy Lauper and Madonna, and I would slip. Ah, them that's amazing. <laughs> dedication right there. Uh, sorry, mom. Um, and I also had a hidey hole in the bushes outside and a little cigar box where I would hide stuff. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I remember, I can remember strangely exactly where I was. I was laying on my bed. I can see like, I was upstairs in my room and I re- remember turning the tape on. I put my headphones on and I just went, whoa, like wh- it was just a wow moment. This is some heavy <sighs> shit. This is freaking awesome. Um, I was in love immediately. I, I totally fell in love with them. So um, <clears throat> I went back and got um, uh, Hello Waits and Show No Mercy. Show No Mercy didn't love so much Hello Waits. Um, was super excited when South of Heaven came out. Uh, South of Heaven, I have mixed feelings about. I totally understand why the band themselves doesn't love that album. I understand why the critics didn't love it, but I don't think I had enough experience with them yet to really criticize it. So I do like a lot of songs on South of Heaven. Um, but then really Seasons in the Abyss was it for me. I was absolutely hooked. And um, I happened to really like their um, content of lyrics. And, and that doesn't always happen. There are plenty of bands where I don't even bother reading them. And I'm just like, whatever, you know. But um, I liked what they were questioning and all of that. You know, I, I was into it. So that that part was fine with me. But I do remember all of the constant controversy over their album covers. You never knew which cover you were going to get when it did come out. Albums would be late. I'd be reading up about, you know, and you'd wait and wait and you'd go to the record store back then. You had to go to the actual freaking record store. And, uh, you know, they Tower. Had release dates. Yeah. Mine was peaches. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I would go and they're like, no, it's not out yet. It's delayed because there's problems with the album artwork which I think only helped the band, to be honest. Um, and then there's the um, uh, lawsuit against them. Apparently, someone's daughter murdered a bunch of people, and uh, or no, wait, she was murdered by the people that were huge Slayer fans, and claimed, and the family was claiming that Slayer made these people murder their daughter. Something insane like that. Um, so this was at the time Ozzy was having lawsuits about people killing themselves because of his music um so it it was it was really kind of riveting at the time and created just more of a this aura around them this like ooh. but lombardo holy crap man i mean he was just is just freaking phenomenal and funny thing um carrie king played um on no sleep till brooklyn he's actually the guitarist in that song which I always thought. Oh no, shit, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I have a, I've seen Slayer mm. many times. Uh, they are great live. They are great showmen. They do the <sighs> whole thing. They really commit to their whole thing live, which is freaking amazing. I was, um, I was living in Belgium uh, and uh, saw Slayer at one of these huge open air festivals. They have in Europe. They've got tons of them, and they're t- they're totally crazy. There's so many people. It's insane. And it was, it was at night, they were headlining and it started to rain a little bit. And I'm like, Oh crap, you know, are, are, are they going to play or not? And I really wasn't interested in anybody but them. We'd been there all day. So all of a sudden they come out and they open with rain and blood. Right. But there's this like, um, recording of like, I think a preacher talking or something like that with like, but you know, as they're like coming out on stage and I, I'm sure this is on video somewhere out there in the world. Although we didn't have video phones or anything at the time, the moment they hit the first riff, you know, the moment it was when they went dun dun dun, the sky opened up, thunder and lightning lit up the whole entire sky right over the stage on cue. Like that, I was like, how did they plan that? That was amazing. And they were struck down and killed immediately. No, they were not. Hell no, no. No, dang it! <laughs> Everybody lost their that shit. Really cool. Like the crap <laughs> went in. The, like the heavens open. It's pouring rain. 
they're covered, so they're not getting wet, so they keep playing. But, I mean, it was like a deluge, and everybody just went insane. And the band played so much harder because the energy was just so crazy. It was one of the coolest experiences I have had. I, like, took off and went up a hill because the pit was bonkers. I wasn't getting anywhere near that shit. It was so freaking cool. So, um, And, Sailor, I want to go back just real quick to just to piggyback off two things that you said. First of all, you said Dave Lombardo is a great, you're absolutely correct in that because he has not lost a beat at all. No, he has not. At all. No yeah. pun intended, but he has not, he has not slowed down one bit. No, no, he's <laughs> phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And I heard that, um, I was watching some videos and I can't remember, he's played with so many bands, like just mm. or whatever. They're like, he can literally learn a song like into, like sometimes he just knows the song already and he'll just sit down and play it and he'll play it with absolute perfection. He's and that's just, what he did. That's what he did. The Metallica show I referenced. Yeah. Yes. That's what he did. He sat down, he played battery, he played yes. four horsemen, yes. like he had been playing them for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned something about the album cover. And I think it's very important that the to mention that the power of the album cover has kind of diminished, obviously, with all of the <laughs> all of the online music that we have nowadays. But actually going into a store, picking up an album, looking at the cover being drawn to it whether you are disgusted by what you see or whether you favor what you see if it draws your interest you flip it over you read the name of the songs you know you may maybe you open it up you look at the pictures on the inside it's just a lost thing that you know a generation from now will probably never get to do i gotta say just just hearing you guys naming the albums and the songs if this band spent half as much time working on their music as they did naming their songs like like hipster bands then uh then this is this is probably going to be sweet you know here's to hoping i guess yeah this is for you this right here (laughs) but i think you're number one jake hey i i love when people tell me tell me i'm number one i get a lot in the winter here uh when when i'm driving my truck and there's people in their little go-kart Priuses that are driving super slow and I go around them at full speed and and they uh you know they tell me I'm number one every day. No, I I I obey all traffic laws, which one of those <laughs> is uh not driving in the left lane because that's for uh emergency vehicles, not for slow asses. Um, but anyways, that's for uh another episode of a different podcast. Um so we've kind of given our basis of of how we got into um Slayer and um touched on what we like about them. You guys have your marching orders, right? <clears throat> have our, the mixtape. Um and listeners, you'll be able to follow along with that as well. Um I'm actually going to make a Spotify mixtape also. So look out for that. We'll post about that in our Facebook group and on Instagram. So um guys, you have the week Okay, listen up. Fall yeah, just already. just synchro dub me a copy of that mixtape. Send it my way via mail. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah, <laughs> I'll make sure to stock up on the cotton balls for when my ears start to bleed. <laughs> babies, you such babies. All right, so that's it, guys. That's part one. This was good. This was good. We will report back in a week. Well, as we as we like to do uh, on every episode, Ed likes to send us around the horn, and we kind of talk about some things we're we're listening to. Yeah, what kind of things have anybody? Uh, <laughs> silence. <laughs> no, no, don't edit. Every Bundy. So, what kind of things uh, has what, everybody listening to? What kind of stuff is Ed week? Bundy listening to? Is what Ed wants to know. <laughs> Ed Bundy, I'm sure, has probably listened to Slayer. <laughs> oh, no. You got that right. No. no maybe he and what's Al Bundy listening to? I don't know. Something at the shoe Al store. Bundy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually found a, a I guess it looks like a newer podcast. There weren't too many episodes out there. Um, it's called This Is My Bourbon Podcast. And um, what caught my eye uh, amongst all the episodes is that he had an interview with um, Chad, Chad and Sarah from 
it's Bourbon Night, the YouTube show of which I am a, a big fan and watcher. So yeah, I gave that a listen. And it's it's pretty cool. It's very very laid back. Um, just kind of sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze about bourbon, and, and it's it's very kind of informal and relaxed, and and, and so it's pretty cool. I, I'm digging it. How about you, Matt? Uh, well, I have listened to a couple episodes. Actually, the man is my favorite stand-up comedian, and I didn't even know he had his own podcast. But uh, if you guys are fans of Bill Burr, yes, I would say. To check out his podcast because it may be just as funny, if not funnier, than his stand-up. He's fantastic. Go check it out. He is. Uh, he's so good. I'm on the floor laughing when I watch his stand-up. <laughs> oh my god. He has interesting opinions about certain topics. Just go watch him. Go check it out. This guy. What's his name? Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr? Oh yeah. He is, B-U-R-R. He's awesome. Oh my goodness. He, he he holds back zero punches. Nice. Mm. Well, for me, I've been listening to a band called, you guys, I'm sure you know them, the Black Angels. I've been listening to them for some reason on repeat like crazy um, the past week or so. And um, I've been listening to um, a couple podcasts. Um, one is new to me. Uh, Chips, Dips, and Dorks. It's an 80s movie podcast. It's freaking awesome. I love it. Kind of like a roundtable, and they talk about or make fun of 80s movies. Um, They all watch them and come back and talk about it. It's really, really great. And also, the Drinking Darlings are back. They were on a holiday hiatus and uh, just took a big trip to um, Hillary. And um, they've kind of reformulated how they're going to be organizing their podcast and what they're going to be doing. So really exciting, really cool. Definitely give them a listen. So that's me. I actually listened to that episode today. Nice. So uh, I guess it's only fitting that I should uh, reference why I got the Ed Gein question correct. And that's because uh, one of the I do like uh, kind of true crime podcasts and podcasts that talk about uh you know, true crime, conspiracies, et cetera. And one of those, uh, one of those shows that I do really enjoy is called the generation Y W H Y generation Y podcast. And, uh, the two guys, they've been around a while. Uh, they've got quite a following there. It's a pretty, uh, pretty well listened to, uh, well-produced podcast. Um, I think it's one of the kind of one of the bigger ones in that genre, but they discuss, uh, you know, different, conspiracies i mean everything from like db cooper to ed Gein to just different uh popular murder cases to unsolved cases to uh wrongful conviction cases and 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 it's 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 more of a serious uh, a serious type of podcast they really just evaluate evidence and discuss that kind of stuff it's it's not going to be zany or kooky or anything so don't expect that but uh but you know kind of more of a uh, Dateline type of show uh, podcast. So that's what I've been listening to for uh, for quite a while. That was actually one that kind of got me into that genre. So I, I have listened to a few others in that genre, but that was kind of the one that kicked me into it. So, Ed? Very cool. Well, we just want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners out there and ask you to please join us next week where we will report on our experience with uh slayer i can't wait (laughs) neither can (laughs) we neither can we (laughs) what you got for us matt well ed thank you and i will say to all of our listeners out there our fellow fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors we value your opinions and your feedback on our show find us on instagram at metal rock whiskey Send us your love, all of your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to join to continue discussions, participate in polls, and sound off on the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram, yours truly, at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey. Save the E. You can find me at Bourbon Geek. Jake. Sailor. You can find me as Sailor Repro on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, 
usually mostly at bourbon.spartan i also do facebook and twitter but i'm like those are very minimal really uh, if you find me on facebook it's going to be in the uh, metal rock wispy facebook group we do have a patreon to help support this this podcast to help kind of cover the cost we're not looking to we're looking to get rich. I mean, if we hey, do, I, that's fine. That's I mean, is fine. anybody? <laughs> if if all million of you listeners send us a dollar, it's, it's, it's cool. It's great. No, but seriously, we re- really appreciate uh, any support that you give. And you can find the links uh, at our Instagram page. And we will be doing some fun giveaways and whatnot there. We thank miss sailor for producing this podcast and giving us uh great content to work with we thank our uh our friend ed for all the hard work and editing he puts in and uh cutting out our idiot mistakes except when he <laughs> makes a mistake we uh we be sure to stay as <laughs> loud as possible so that he can't yes. ever find it and turn up the volume ass of himself Crap. as much as possible mm-hmm. but uh no this is a good one um i'm looking forward to uh to thrashing and probably dislodging my neck head banging to some slayer over the next week um i'm a full glass of barrel proof elijah craig in that means we should probably end this show tip your waitress we're out later everyone adios and fuck you lars Hey listeners, you know that cool song we play at the beginning and end of our show? It's called Whiskey Always Wins, and it was written and performed by my dear friends of When Particles Collide. Please check them out on your favorite music streaming platforms and give them your support. Rock on, friends.